0: Down the wicket. The shout is catching. It It is Beth Mooney. She's taken a blinder. Has she won the Ashes for Australia with that catch? It's Dunkley. She's gone. Straight up in the air. This is for Healy. This is for the nine.
1: A very warm welcome. Happy New Year. Welcome back to all of our loyal listeners. My name is Matt Ellis and joining me for 2022, we've signed him up for another year on the Cricket Library Weekly. Welcome back, Robbie McKinlay.
2: Oh, Matty, great to be back. And, uh, yeah, welcome back. Happy New Year to all our new listeners. Although we are recording this on February 1. I got told that... (laughs) After January, you don't say Happy New Year. So Okay. um, I'll go with that. But, yeah, it's great to be back. And, uh, wow, hasn't there been plenty happening?
1: Oh, it's all been happening. uh, To coin the phrase of a a former great commentator, the Women's Ashes front and centre. We'll talk about that first. Also, we've had the Cricket Australia Awards and, of course, the end... Of the Big Bash season, so they'll be our main talking points this season. Matt Fiction's called in sick. He, he, well, all three of us, Robbie. Yeah. Um, we've we've suffered the, um, I don't know what you'd call it, the the unfortunate situation of of going through COVID in in January. Uh, hence, no Cricket Library weekly throughout January, and and Matt Fiction's still not. Quite 100% yet, so he's doing well, but thanks to everyone who's been sending well wishes via the library there. Um, So no Matt Fiction tonight, and I stress that it's not because England lost the Ashes, and (laughs) I, I I stress that it has nothing to do with him and his blood pressure after watching the culmination of the women's Ashes on Sunday, Robbie. What a finish to a wonderful game of cricket.
2: Oh, it was just amazing. It was, um, it was like the no different than the Sydney Test match, which
1: mm.
0: was probably
2: the most thrilling finish of all the five men's ashes. A great declaration from Meg Lanning. Uh, I thought that was you know set two hundred and fifty-seven with forty-eight overs. So it's basically almost a one-day total uh, score. And if you think, I think when we see with the ODIs coming up, um, those scores between 250-280 might be for game. So. Or 48 and a magnificent moniker over wicket it was a brilliant oh. wicket. And uh, and England took up the challenge. It was fantastic and they were building beautifully. And I must admit, Matty, I thought with 46 deliveries to go, they only needed 39 runs. Yeah. And they had seven wickets in hand and they had batters in who were doing well. So, uh, but I thought the turning point was that brilliant catch by Beth Mooney. It yeah. was basically a, you know, a fractured jaw. Uh, it was an incredible catch. He took the next one, then two of the young guns, Alana King and Annabelle Sutherland, both followed really well. The Aussies showed why they are the best team in the world because teams generally can't win from that position. They generally lose, but they, could, they didn't win it. They nearly did, but they found a way not to lose it and they defended it magnificently. Well done, both sides. Gee, we unfortunately missed those about 60 overs of cricket on the Saturday, yeah. on day three. and um, But maybe that that was able to create something that we might not have got because, you know, Australia might have batted a little bit longer and might have, might have set England 3.50. And But, yeah, well done for everyone. I, I, it was just great. It was absorbing cricket.
1: Yeah, Catherine Brunt doing a wonderful job with the ball early on, five wickets for her in the first innings. After she'd made some interesting comments around test cricket, uh, prior to the game, but she seemed a lot happier yeah. with the with the surface they produced in in Canberra and the style of cricket that was played. Uh, great to see some Aussies getting some runs as well. Haynes, Lanning, uh, Ashley Gardner getting runs there as well. I hope I haven't forgotten anyone off the top of my head. Maybe I have. Um, but... Heather Knight the story of the yeah. the game from a batting perspective her innings for England when England were well behind the eight ball she was just holding everything together put on a wonderful partnership with Sophie Eccleston and got England right back in the game so a real a really impressive performance with the willow and dare I say a former Sydney Thunder player Robbie getting the job done for England <laughs>
2: I thought you'd mention the Sydney Thunder player. So, yeah, I thought that was one of the best partnerships of the whole summer. We've seen that 100-run stand for the ninth wicket uh, with her and Anya Shrubsole, So it was good cricket. And heaven not, I, I think we'll probably have to refer to Matt down at the Orange Library, but her 168 not out in a total score of 297. I'd be very keen to see what is the highest percentage of runs scored in a Test match innings in women's cricket by a batter yeah so if that's just a i haven't passed it on the map but you'll either hear it or i know you'll be in touch with him so that's one to follow up there but yeah it was you know eight for 169 the aussies were they were in an incredibly strong position but oh. no, england fought back and it, it, beca- it became pretty good from there
1: yeah a, a wonderful wonderful game of cricket and. Uh, A fantastic opportunity to showcase venues like Marnika Oval. Um, I was down there for the first men's test match when Australia played Sri Lanka a couple of years back down there. Wonderful venue for international cricket and great to see people getting behind the women's game. Television audiences were peaking on Sunday afternoon there, as as you would expect with the situation of the game. And uh, well done to all the players, as you mentioned the captaincy from Meg Lanning to to bring a result into play. Australia didn't yep. need to do that. There was an element of risk there and I applaud them taking that risk. And uh, three one-days to go, Robbie, starting Thursday, I think, uh, down at Marnica and then a couple more after that. So uh, a job to do for England after – you could probably argue T20's their best of the three formats, England and the two washouts there after Australia won the first game, that could still come into play uh, before the series is out. And uh, yeah. really looking forward to seeing how this one plays out.
2: I think um, you might see what happened with India in the, uh, in the series earlier in the cricket season, where they got a lot of confidence out of that test match. Yeah. And then they played really well at the back end of that test uh, tour and I think England will be the same. They've got a lot of confidence out of that what they're able to do with that run chase. Um, they'll probably play it a little bit smarter if they get to a similar situation because, the, as I said before, the the over a lot of the overs is, is going to have a similar amount of runs to chase. So it was almost like another ODI. <laughs> yeah. We're grouped into one, but I think, gee whiz, won't it be interesting if England were to take out that first ODI? Now, oh. I believe with my. Well, the numbers I've done, Matt, Australia only have to win one yeah. of these three matches to uh, go to retain it. So it's it, this This is going to be... A, if England can win the first couple, uh, we don't need a washout or a draw. I think the weather looks okay, Matty. So um, we've sort of been hit by this storm activity on eastern side of Australia at the moment. I think that's about to clear through in the next day or two. So... All All
1: just on the storm activity, I did see a very interesting Instagram uh, video from Ashley Gardner, the current Belinda Clark medalist, and we'll talk about those Cricket Australia Awards soon. She was playing golf with Australian skipper Meg Lanning, and she got some footage of Meg bolting with her golf bag as as the storm was closing in. So that was, <laughs> uh, that was quite 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 funny footage of Meg Lanning hightailing it uh, and Ash Gardner capturing that on, on film for us. So uh, let's keep our keep our fingers crossed that the weather stays favourable and we get a, a deservingly good finish to what's been a magnificent series.
2: Yeah, and then, of course, the, the one game in Canberra at Marnica Oval and then the next two games move down to Melbourne at the junction over which is Great two two fantastic venues for a limited overs cricket. So, yeah, hoping we see a really big crowd there either on Sunday or uh, Tuesday. So this time next week, buddy, uh, we could know who's got the ashes.
1: Yeah, and, so, who, and who knows what day we'll be recording, whether we'll, <laughs> whether we'll know or not yeah. next time the Cricket Library Weekly's out. Uh, people will go back to setting their watches by us, I'm sure, Robbie. <laughs>
2: No, all good, Matt. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a great little Ashes series so far. Let's hope fine weather prevails and we'll have an opportunity to give um, both sides, uh, you know, to showcase who is going to be the dominant side in these crucial one-day matches.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's take a quick break and uh, when we come back, we'll talk some big bash and then we'll also have a bit of a deep dive into these. Cricket Australia Awards. You'll tune in to the Cricket Library Weekly.
0: If you are a huge cricket fan like me, you will absolutely love the Cricket Library weekly podcast with Robbie McKinley and Matt Elise. These Aussie guys really know their stuff. And the show is so informative and entertaining. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode.
1: We are back on the Cricket Library Weekly and what a year of big bash, Robbie. So many complications to be navigated on and off the field. Uh, the, the administrators and the organisers needing to uh, make the show go on, so to speak. But a, a lot of complications along the way. But we have our winner the Perth Scorchers, who probably, fair to say, faced uh, their fair share of adversity throughout the season in terms of the amount of time they were on the road for the tournament. And they just have consistently been a team that wins 2020 cricket and another title uh, in the cabinet and heading to the... I'd imagine that the trophy would go to the, the Wacker Library and Museum. Um, I'm not sure if they've got a library and museum at the new Optus Stadium over there. I'm imagining that that trophy will be joining some of the other pieces of silverware there in WACA headquarters. And uh, a a great job from Adam Voges and the team to lift the trophy once again.
2: Yeah, well, it'll, like every other Western Australian, they'll have to spend a couple of weeks in quarantine
0: <laughs> <laughs> in uh, October
2: before it heads back to the wacker. But, yes, absolutely. Look, congratulations to the Scorchers. Uh, Maddie. I think over the whole series, they played 16 matches. They won 13. They only lost three games, and they were on the road. Um, the interesting one for mine, if you look back over that, the Adelaide Strikers, and I know that the bonus bash point that you have been fascinated oh, yeah. by, over a long period of time. Uh, if, you go, if you put a ladder on wins alone, just winning games in the preliminary matches, Adelaide Strikers finished seventh on that ladder. But overall, they finished in fourth place because they won an incredible 10 bash points
1: out of those 14 games. That's remarkable, so, isn't it? Uh, and uh, it
2: kept Melbourne Stars out of the top uh, echelon. Yeah, so it's just I, quite
1: amazing. And I think if the Melbourne Stars had us snuck into the semi final oh, oh. setup, the way that GJ Maxwell and MP Stoyness were hitting the ball in that final regular season game, it would have been trouble. And uh, I see GJ Maxwell's taken that form into club cricket, dispatching uh, <laughs> dispatching 100 in club cricket on the weekend as well. Yeah. So um, very, yeah, very interesting. And it probably. That's a big tick, I think, to JN Gillespie, coach of the Strikers, because yep. everyone's aware of the rules, Robbie. I don't, I don't understand why there's so much fussing around this bash boost point and people saying how ridiculous it is. It's the same rule for every single team, and and how you decide to approach it and whether you decide to pick up the points along the way, the way the Strikers have done, uh, and then. They, they brought themselves I think they won six games straight on the lead into the final so they were building really yep. nicely I, I I call that good coaching um yeah but the interesting thing Robbie've I've just I've just put together a list and I I haven't had this checked from the orange library oh, but, I, but I, I've got a list of teams that the championship winning scorches team didn't beat at all oh this season. throughout the campaign. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just do this they only in, lost three games. I'll just do this in alphabetical order. The the only team they weren't able to beat at all um just was the Sydney Thunder. So the Sydney oh. Thunder oh. beat the championship winning Perth Scorchers twice. So yes. And they didn't have and 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 the Sydney Thunder didn't have the opportunity to play the Scorchers in the final setup. Well, that's their own fault. That's their own fault. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. As I was just saying, the rules are the same for everyone, Robbie. <laughs> but I no. knew, uh, I knew
2: you were going to bring that up. I, I just thought, <laughs> looking at those three losses, I thought oh, I know it's kicking sticking over in Matt Ellison's head at the moment. I so. didn't, but I didn't, uh,
1: I didn't put it in the show notes because I just wanted it to be a little surprise. But yeah, the strikers you didn't were- have to. Yeah, the strikers were the only other team that had beaten the the scorchers in the regular season, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting the way it panned out. Uh the the scorchers have kind of had the wood on the sixers yeah. and and the thunder had had the wood on the scorchers, but the sixers had had the wood on the thunder. So the way the way it all worked out um just um is the way it worked out, and well, do, well done to the Scorchers. But let's have a look at uh, some of the the big-ticket players uh, for the competition, the, the, the run scorers and the wicket-takers, Robbie. And yep. I, I, I might kick us off with the wicket-takers. P.M. Siddle, the evergreen P.M. Siddle, 30 wickets, and the only time that's ever been done is the former BKT golden cap wearer, from the Sydney Thunder, Daniel Sams also claimed thirty wickets, so a record break, a record ekling season so statistically Peter Siddle uh would be very pleased to have uh, reached the echelon of of Daniel Sams in the wicket taking list there but some some other really impressive performances andrew ty he he just takes wickets um, ad yep. nauseum. uh but the the pickup of the season the the player that I think um, most impressed me that I hadn't seen a lot of before, Hayden Kerr, 25 wickets, Robbie, and some yep. very impressive work with the bat to get the Sixers into the final as well. What a fine young prospect he is.
2: Yeah, I agree with you, odd For mine, I thought he was the find of the series. And that is the great thing about the Big Bash League. We see these little uh, ones come through. We saw Ian Cobain.
0: Yeah. The...
2: Um, uh, playing also for the Adelaide Strikers, he was dragged from the Mornington Peninsula Club cricket scene, where they play on synthetic wickets. Yeah. and his average was his average was 16. Wow, he playing at Lang at Lang uh, Of course, Jack Heverin, one of the most talented broadcasters in Australia. Jack Heverin, that's his home club. Um, we had an opportunity to speak to Jack a couple of weeks ago, and he said, "Yeah, he couldn't buy a run." So uh, he picked up a good contract, I believe, in the Pakistan.
0: Yeah, the PSL. Premier League. Yeah,
2: so, yeah. so uh, it's fantastic for a uh, good player. His innings to get the Sixers into that final was just breathtaking. That was some of the finals matches were outstanding. Sydney funded post loss. But look, the other one for mine there, Matty, he's in fourth place in the wicket takers. If he had a stone around and was able to finish the season, I think your man, D.R. and Peter Siddle's 30 wickets, would have been smashed. Rashid Khan, he was on fire. Oh, what See, a was player! He got, uh, oh, what a player! He was on twenty, and another good find, then also on twenty wickets. Uh, Tommy Rogers uh, from the Hurricanes.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, no, very, very impressive indeed. Uh, you, it, it's a, it's a fine balance, isn't it? Trying to, trying to have your wicket takers and, and keeping economy in check as well. And Rashid Khan is just one of those bowlers. Where you almost feel like teams are comfortable to see out his four overs, provided he doesn't do too much damage. And just having a player like that in the setup, and for the Scorch, uh, for the strikers to do so well after he left, um, big tick to Farwet Ahmed stepping in in there as well and and doing a job uh, for the strikers as well.
2: Matt, I will get to this shortly because I'm just going to go through the, some of the run scores, but I've got one more question in around the, the final standings in the, in the Big Bash 11. but I'll get to that. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, Benny, no surprise, Benny McDermott, um, he won the BKT Golden Bat, 577 runs. Couldn't quite nail it off in the final series, which seems to be a bit of a trend mm. in the Big Bash League over the years. Uh, you, you can't do it all the time, I suppose. Uh, o. Wells, I've described him... On Twitter is like a good old Holden mute. Yeah. You just know, every. it's like a farm mute. Every time you go and step into it, you turn, put the key in, and you know it's going to start. You know it'll get the job done. You know, just, you know, without all the fans there. Uh, he got 501 runs. He was fantastic. And now, Matt Ellis, you, you got, you did have a bit of warning about this. Now, so I, I came home from a Sheffield Shield match, um, in November. Yeah, down at Melbourne, and there's two two names are on my lips that I passed on to you. <laughs> one was um, one was Scotty Boland. Yeah. I thought he might be a chance to play a Boxing Day test. And the other one I passed comment on was Matt Short. who I was very impressed with his batting. Yeah, well, he's been the third leading run scorer in the uh, KFC Big Bash League eleven for this uh, campaign. And he also, he opened the bowling regularly with his nice, tall right arm off spinner. So, well done to Matty Short. Another nice little find that we found. Maxie was there not far behind in fourth place. And then in fifth place, um, I know, um, a Matt at the Orange Library is a massive fan of Jason Sanger's work.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, he was
2: there with 445 runs. And, yeah, I know, um, uh, yeah, he's like so many at Sydney Thunder. He uh, had a, a, a breakout season,
1: perhaps. Uh, MJ. Yeah, I definitely think so, Robbie. Uh, Jason Sanger is one of those players that has shown glimpses of what we saw in the Big Bash. But this is the first time we've seen it consistently game in, game out. And for him to be the Thunder's leading run scorer with 445 in a team yep. where there's plenty of guys who can score runs, uh, a wonderful testament to his consistency, and hopefully yeah. hopefully now that he's got this season under his belt, his confidence will be riding high. Who knows next season for Jason Sanger where he may take his game? Yeah,
2: that's right. And, and, yeah, and hey, I give credit again to our man in the library in Orange City. You know, sometimes, we're, oh, you know, he's <laughs> too early, he? but he's always stuck by him. Back him, back him to the hilt. Yeah. So well done, Jason Sanger.
1: Yeah. Now, um, you, you mentioned something else about the ladder, Robbie. I I don't yes. know if we have anything else we need to discuss. Do we?
2: No. I just I remember we're going back. I um, don't oh, know, possibly in October, November. We were doing our sort of predictions around how things might pan out for the BBL, yeah, the WBBL. And you were very buoyant about the Melbourne
1: Renegades. I still am, Robbie. Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> Three wins. Uh. uh
1: that. There are some concerns at the Melbourne Renegades. Yeah. Um also you've got to bear in mind they did have that no result game against the Sixers, so there's there's a chance they may have got a win in that one uh against the Sixers possibly. Um yeah. it it is a pretty condemning negative net run rate there for the Renegades, negative 1.477. Uh I guess I guess I'm a glass half full kind of guy, Robbie. And yep. I, I just feel there's enough young talent in and around that Melbourne renegade squad. I, I well I, I must admit, I was disappointed to see that the double hat trick wicket taking Cameron Boyce, uh wonderful leg spin oh, bowler. Yeah. Um, what about that? Uh, that would, that was incredible bowling in its own right. Uh, and, and, to, and I feel like Cameron Boyce has been one of the better uh contributors in in that yep. in that renegade setup so I was disappointed to see that he he'll be looking elsewhere for a big bash team next season but there are oh, he'll s- get picked up oh you'd ha- you have to you'd have to think so but young players like Sam Harper Mackenzie Harvey Jake Fraser McGurk these guys yep these guys aren't far away from having a Jason Sanger-like impact. And if a few of them can do it consistently uh, at the same time, and then you've got your older guys like your your Kane Richardsons, your Aaron Finches, your Sean Marshes, to, to build that team around. Uh, I'm buoyant they can finish higher next year than they did this year, Robbie.
2: Yeah, it won't be hard. <laughs> huh. All right, no, good. I, no, look, they, I think I, I do tend to agree with that. they has got a, uh, they, they'll find a lot of improvement there. So, um, but yeah, all in all, Matty, um, I guess there's a few, yeah, there's a lot of comp, bit of comment around the longevity of the competition. Can they shorten it up? Can they do this? Can they do that? I don't know. I think, um, I'll certainly, uh, put it all together and come up with something, but, I, Maybe just a little bit tighter, a little bit shorter might be the go. But I still enjoy it. Uh, any cricket on TV will do me. We're getting plenty of that.
1: Yeah, and I think I uh, it's hard because COVID seems to be the thing that that people always yeah. bring up as an excuse. But we have to remember we are actually living in a global pandemic, and that yeah exactly and right. And that and that has implications. In all walks of life, and I think the amount of sacrifice that the players have made this year to ensure that the competition uh, continued uh, is a, is a real credit to them, and uh, not just the players, the support staff, the families that have been away from uh, from loved ones for extended periods of time, so that so that there can be a big bash competition. So uh, let's let's hope and pray, Robbie, that next season. There is less COVID impact, and we can see things return to a sense of normalcy for everyone involved for the particularly for the players and, and, and the staff involved and their families, so that they can uh, really enjoy next season as much as possible.
2: Yeah, agree. Now Matt, I believe uh, we' take a little short break. To come back. we're going to talk about the uh, Allen Border and the McIntyre medal presentation. They were obviously announced and awarded that during the test match in Canberra recently. And, uh, yes, yeah, well, a bit of a, No, I'm not saying a surprise turn up, but certainly would have shocked a lot of the punters on, a, on um, how the top three panned out, yeah, particularly with the Allen Border medal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's have a look at that in just a moment on the Cricket Library Weekly. This summer... I have loved tuning in to the Cricket
0: Library Weekly with Robbie McKinley and Matt Ellis. Do yourself a
1: favour and subscribe today on your favourite podcast provider. We are back on the Cricket Library Weekly and the Cricket Australia Awards, Robbie, normally the red carpets rolled out. Normally there's glitz, there's glamour, there's all the bells and whistles. But again, as we're just mentioning, the COVID world we live in hasn't allowed that. This year and a very interesting uh, list of winners. Robbie, look, look, looking through the votes.
2: Yeah, it's fantastic, wasn't it? And look, how about hands down to Mitchell Stark, the Alan Border Medalist for two thousand twenty-one, twenty-two, just one vote ahead of Mitch Marsh yeah. on one hundred and six votes, and Travis head in mm. third. So two of the more stumped by some of the punters out there. Not all the punters. Sometimes more cricketers. I'm not sure for what reason. Um, yeah, so well done to both of them, and I think well done too for the selectors for staying with them and showing their support. So well done there. And Travis Head, well done player of the series in the in the Test series. He finished third. What would the odds have been on that, Matt? Those top three, say going into this season, when you have the number oh. one ranked batter in the world, you've got Steve's That was Marnus Labuschagne. Steve Smith uh Paddy Cummins, Nathan Lyon, it goes on and on. So, well done, everyone there.
1: Oh, a, a wonderful achievement. And Mitch Marsh getting uh, a, a large share of his votes in that T20 International Player of the Year. 53 votes in that T20 International Player of the Year for Mitchell Marsh. And second place was Josh Hazelwood on 29, Ashton Agar on 26. So... Uh, yep. Comprehensively, his best format, Mitch Marsh, and fantastic to see potential fulfilled. Everyone's always expected Mitch Marsh could be a match winner for us in short format cricket, in any form of cricket, for that matter. Yeah, and and he's gone and done it there in the T Twenty World Cup, most notably, and and taken out that award and second in the count. It would have been very interesting if he had have got another vote there and and oh. and won the award. There, there would have been some. Some interesting dialogue and conversation around that. Does does Shane Keith vote on the Allen Border medal?
2: Don't think so.
1: No, I, I didn't I didn't think so either. I think this is peer voted, so it's probably a yeah, a reflection on what the what the players want there. Um now some other good ones. Robbie, you, you were gonna tell us a little bit about the community champion from oh, down, in, said, down in Canberra. And just for first
2: Ash Gardner's win, she obviously Came the first oh, yes. to win a to win a major gong at the Cricket Australia Awards. That was fantastic. So, well done, Ash. And she had a very good test match too, a 50-odd and a 30-odd. So, well done there. And, um, yeah, she Ash Gardner finished um, just ahead of well, – of seven votes ahead of Beth Mooney, who was runner-up on 47. And then Alyssa Healy, not too far away on 39. But, yeah, Maddie. Matt, of course, um, one of the ones that interests me were main reason being, I'd love to see, you know, involved work in the community and what people can do. And, you know, not just um, uh, sports people, but g- general people in our community. But a very important award is the Community Impact Award. Mm. And this cake has gone to uh, ACT Meteors and a Brisbane Heat Squad player, Zoe Cook. Now, Zoe's from the town of Yass. So if you're on the Hume Highway, um, between Gundy Guy and Goulburn, uh, and Zoe has won the award for her in, for environmental advocacy and volunteer work with the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. So, Oh, well uh, done. Actually, I sort of co coach with Zoe's uh, brother, Joe, uh, down in Cricket Orbidonga at the Belvoir Cricket Club, and I know how proud the family are. So nice work there, Zoe. Well done.
1: Oh, wonderful, wonderful acknowledgement there. And a couple of new inductees into the Hall of Fame, Robbie. Uh, Rayleigh... Thompson. Now, Thompson, yes. that's, that's a, a name you, you know a fair bit about.
2: Well, one of the things that always fascinated me as a young fella growing up in the 70s was the fact that in the 70s we obviously had Thompson and Lily, you know, men's cricket, and they were, Lily and Tomo were dominating. And then it became apparent to me when the women's cricket matches were on, there was this other fast bowler called Rayleigh Thompson Mm. It was a, she was pretty quick bowling for Australia in the women's cricket. And I just thought it was pretty cool. The only difference was Rayleigh has a P in her name. Geoffrey Robert Thompson only has an, uh, does no P. So, but yeah, well done for her. Um, uh, another one, uh, one of indigenous cricketers too, which is fantastic. And Maddie, the male nominee and inductee, I'm going to let you do that one because I know he's one of your favorites.
1: Oh, J.L. Langer. What a... What a contribution he's made to Australian cricket on and off the field. 105 test matches, 7,696 runs at 45.27. A a lot of those runs coming at the back end of his career. Magnificent uh, up the top of the order with Matthew Lawrence Hayden. uh, Currently the leader of the Australian men's cricket team. Uh, Done a wonderful job there retaining the Ashes and, of course, winning the men's World T20 World Cup, which a lot of people uh, were suggesting maybe we wouldn't be able to do. Uh, and just find me a more passionate cricket person, Robbie. I, I don't think there is anyone more passionate about the game than Justin Langer. He loves the baggy green cap and he epitomises uh, what it means to be uh, an Australian cricketer. So, yeah, well done, Justin Langer. Well done, Rayleigh Thompson. Good numbers for Rayleigh Thompson as well, Robbie. 57 test wickets at 18.24, 24 ODI, oh, yeah. ODI wickets at 18.66. Um, and she's the oldest player, male or female, to take a maiden five-wicket haul in test matches. At yeah, 39 yeah. years and 175 days. So for people like me that are as, as sort of trying to, take the Ian Cobour, Coburn uh, approach to, to getting selected, um, playing on hard wickets at age 43. Um, that's encouraging mm. to see someone take oh. a fifer at age 39 in a test match. So I'll keep I'll, I'll keep, keep plugging away.
2: Yeah, it yeah, leaves the door slightly ajar. <laughs> uh, cut, <laughs> cut the other awards. I always love the domestic player of the year. That yeah. went to Elise Bellani. Not surprised. She had a fantastic WNCL season. And Travis Head was the men's player mm. by the year. So I know that a lot. Our good friend in Canberra, Michael Min, would be very happy with that. But Betty Wilson, Young Cricket of the Year. Well done, Darcy Brown. Uh, absolute talent. Playing, representing Australia now. Bradman Young, Cricket of the Year. Tim Ward. We mentioned the Community Impact Award winner, Zoe Cook. So all in all, um, a, a good season for Australia. Dominant season of cricket where we've won a World Cup, we've won a, the Ashes, the Women's dominating in every format. And our under-19s, I believe, are into a semi-final too Yeah. Over the West Indies in the World Cup. So things are looking pretty good, Matt Ellis.
1: Yeah, and at the risk of some self-promotion here, Robbie, uh, former Bradman Young Cricketer of the Year was a very popular guest on the Cricket Library podcast, Nathan Horitz. We actually asked him about ah, winning cool. that Bradman Young Cricketer of the Award in that, in that chat, so... Feel free to look into that. And just while we're on self-promotion, Robbie, um, me bringing oh. up self-promotion, uh, <laughs> oh, yes. I, I believe I believe you've written the forward to a a brand new book that has hit the online shelves uh, via Amazon. Uh, so uh, Amazon Kindle readers around the world rejoicing they can read a forward. By Robbie McKinlay, tell us oh. tell us about this, Robbie.
2: Well, I'm very happy. I was very happy to write my very first forward for a book, and I was more than delighted because it was actually a book that you and Matt Fiction have put together, <laughs> which is absolutely spectacular. It's called "For the Love of Cricket: Haiku Poems Inspired by the Summer Game," and um, yeah, I've just had a little bit of a tickle at a few of them. In there, it is a fantastic read. It's just a it's a good-looking book. I love the cover, Matty. It's got a photo of the Jack Bingle and scoreboard that now resides at Marneker Oval in Canberra. It used to be down at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. It has seen so much history. I thought that was a great choice. And, uh, Maddie, congratulations on it. I'm, yeah, we're really looking forward to promoting this and giving the opportunity for people out there to have a read. And um, Yeah, if there's any controversy in it, blame M Fiction.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And as a special treat, if if there are any listeners of the Cricket Library Weekly who get themselves a copy of of the of the new online book and leave a leave a nice favourable review, uh, just get in touch and let us know that you've done that. We might have a little might have a little yep. present uh, that we can send out to go with that just exclusively to cricket library weekly listeners. Um, yeah. Let, let us know if you've done that. Let us know if you've, if, if you like the book, it's a very easy read. I think it's something like 74 pages, Robbie. Yep. Uh, some of my reflections on my love of the game uh, with some examples of some particular games and players that have I- I impacted on my love of the game. And then some, Haiku poems to kind of round it out from Matt Fiction to kind of put the exclamation point uh, on on those stories. So uh, it's been an interesting process working with Matt Fiction. We we're still I can still <laughs> st- still report we're at this stage we're still on good terms. So um, yeah, get around that book. Tell your friends. Uh, tell your tell your relatives. And Robbie, Valentine's Day is just around the corner. So. Oh what better way oh, to say ow. i love you than uh, a book filled with cricket poetry mate uh, that 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 oh. that is my advice to the the true romantics yep. out there buy someone that a copy good. buy but why why not buy why not buy that special someone a a copy of the book and um, who knows where your relationship may go <laughs> yeah.
2: It'll make or break it. Yeah. <laughs> no. But no, all, all seriousness, congratulations, Matty. And I know you put a lot of time into this, and it's been a little bit of a pipeline dream of yours. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. to a nice, easy, uh, comfortable read. And, yeah, and I, as I said, I love the front cover, it looks absolutely magnificent. So well done to you and Mr. Fiction. Yeah. May, may, may this be the first of many.
1: Well, let's 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 hope so, Robbie. Let's let's hope uh yeah, let's hope the Cricket Library family get behind it and um who knows? Who knows what's next with with someone like Matt Fiction around, anything is possible. Well, we're out of time, Robbie. Thank you so much for your time uh on this Tuesday evening edition of the Cricket Library weekly and looking forward to catching up again throughout twenty twenty two. It's been a pleasure. Hanging out as always.
2: Uh, Great to be back, mate. We've actually missed it, haven't we? But we've sort of held off and tried to get this uh, test match out of the road. And, yes, as you said, we both sort of had to respectfully um, work our way through a little COVID hit. And, uh, yeah, good news is, um, uh, yeah, we're we're both going along nicely, which is great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look forward to your company again next time. This has been Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay for the Cricket Library Weekly. Bye for now.